You're listening to RaceWire on Over the Top Cycling. In Boulder, Colorado, I'm your host, George Thomas. And on the line with us today, we have the 2015 unofficial World Gravel Cycling Champion, Neil Shirley. Neil, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, George. Now, can you give us a little bit of background on the Gravel World Championships? Well, from, from what I understand, you know, I, I'm... I'm coming from the West Coast, so, you know, the, the whole gravel racing phenomenon, you know, it's it's kind of a newer thing for me, but in the Midwest, it's it's a really big deal, and so I believe the, the, the event, this is the sixth year um, they've been doing it, and it, it's last year when Dan Hughes won it, it, it kind of really um, jumped to, uh, you know, into prominence, and, and that's kind of when I took note of it. Uh, and it's 150 miles of pretty much all but maybe five miles of it are gravel roads around Lincoln, Nebraska. And what's the condition of the roads like? Were you able to race on your road bike, or did you have some special equipment? Um, I, you know, so going into it, I, I had planned to ride a Cannondale Synapse road bike uh, with 30-millimeter tires, which is kind of the biggest that a bike like that will accept. But then there was rain in the forecast, so I went to uh, kind of a true gravel bike that offered more, a little greater tire clearance, and, and that was a, a Foundry Overland, and I ran 32 millimeter tires um, with just a little bit of uh, file tread in the, in the center, um, just to help with traction a bit. But overall, the the dirt roads, they're they actually they vary. You you have some sections that have there's been, you know, larger pieces of gravel that have just been, you know, laid down, and then other places, very decomposed, where it's almost like riding through a sandbox. And um, there's sections where it's like riding a single track. You have to really just maintain the line that the that the cars make through it. So, you know, you really have to, you know, you have to pay attention and stay on your game because, you know, in, in each mile, the conditions of the roads can change. How did you prepare for this? Uh, like you said, you live out on the West Coast. I'm sure um, conditions for dirt roads are very different from California as they are in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, they definitely are. So in, in California, our we don't have gravel roads. Everything, every road is pretty much paved. So you know, the only dirt roads we have are forestry access roads through the mountains, and they're more like you know, mountain bike roads, quite rough, rutted, rocky. Um, so I, I do, I ride those quite a bit. It's nice just being able to get away from traffic um, and mix up the terrain. But overall, just just riding, you know, riding long, long road miles, I think for me the best preparation for something, you know, an event like Gravel World. And what did you think of the terrain? Were you surprised by the amount of climbing? Uh, was it flatter than you expected? Well, out, you know, on the West Coast, we, we tend to think that the Midwest is flat, and that is definitely not the case. <laughs> you know, I've done a little bit, I've done a couple, I've done Dirty Kansas 200 and Kansas twice, and so I, I, I did know that uh, the terrain is, is definitely rolling, but then um, the roads around Lincoln were honestly next level. There's no 
flat road anywhere. And every climb, the, you know, the climb might only be a one-minute climb, but it's nonstop. They come one after another after another. And so at the end of 150 miles, I had 11,000 feet of climbing, which... Wow. That, that really shocked me. That, that was a lot, and it just comes. You know, it, it, there's never one climb that it's that knockout punch. It's just that slow, slow wear down until, you know, the 483rd climb, you're like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a race, so is there a SAG support or anything out there? How did you fuel, get liquids, anything like that? So there's, you know, kind of the, the whole idea of, of the gravel races that there's there's really no support. Um, there's no follow cars like in road racing. So you need to carry everything. You're any you know two extra spare tools, anything that, that you need to, to kind of get you out of a jam if you flat or have a mechanical. And then um, there's there were three checkpoints that we that we had to stop at. Um, and at those checkpoints we could we could get water. Um, so. I started with three bottles, and so each checkpoint, I was able to refill my bottles there, and then I had enough food with me that I, I didn't really have to rely on what was at the checkpoint. Um, so, so yeah, you, it's really, uh, you know, and that's a lot of the, the preparation and planning for an event like this, is thinking about your, not just your equipment needs, but also the nutrition planning and how many bottles you need to have get from one checkpoint to the next without, you know, starting to dehydrate. Because um, later in the race, that, that will definitely affect you. How was the course marked? Do you have a map? Uh, did you use Garmin? How does that work? Yeah, so, uh, again, kind of with a lot of the gravel races, that they're, they're not, the courses are not marked. Um, and the courses typically aren't announced until just a day or two before the event. So... On Wednesday, um, the promoters released the course, and they uh, they sent out uh, a download to do a cue sheet if you wanted to print out a cue sheet, um, in addition to uh, a GPS file. So I used to gar I had cue sheets just in case my Garmin died, but I, I navigated with uh, with a Garmin, um, which kind of takes guesswork. You know, it's, it's the easiest way I think if you're you're really trying to race race it. Now you went out there with a the team, correct? No, I was uh, I was solo out there. Um, I was just riding for road bike action, and uh, yeah, so I didn't have any teammates out there. Uh, what's it like out there for that kind of distance all alone? Did you feel like you were getting ganged up on at all? Not so much. <laughs> uh, there, you know, there there was a American Classic. They they had a team of four or five riders, and they were really trying to use some, some road tactics um, out there, but ultimately, at, at the end of the day, um, it's such a long race and a race of attrition that, you know, it, it comes down to, uh, you know, luck is always involved, but just, just pacing, you know, and nutrition strategy and all the little, um, I, I guess, uh, you know, team dynamics that kind of goes out the window in the second half of the race. And, you know, in the in the case of, of you know, the race this time, there were two of us off the front after 
about 30 miles, so it just kind of came down to a, you know, one-on-one, um, which simplifies things. <laughs> uh, if you don't mind my asking, what was your nutrition strategy? Did you have a time goal in mind? I kind of anticipated, as long as the weather held out, which was a little iffy, um, there were tornado warnings, but, oh um, <laughs> which for a California guy, you know, that was a little frightening, but that, that didn't materialize, and, you know, I had, I had anticipated about eight hours if all went well, and that was a good guess, cause my time ended up being seven hours and 54 minutes, so, you know, that that was uh, well planned. Can you walk us through the race, uh, just kind of break it down into 50-mile segments? So first third, obviously you got away around mile 30 with another person. What happened after that? Uh, so after, you know, after the first third of the race, it, it really, it was myself and Brian Jensen. Um, he's, a, he's a, you know, Kansas guy, so he's savvy with riding gravel. Um and we we just traded we traded turns, you know. We'd take about maybe sixty second poles each and, and kinda of trade off. Uh so we worked we worked really well together. And honestly it, it at that point you you're already thinking about what it's gonna take to have the best legs possible um, you know, that last fifty miles. So it's making sure you don't neglect your fluid and taking in the calories. Um, even if you feel great, you know, you still have to keep, keep the calories coming in. Um, so it, it, it honestly probably wasn't the most exciting if you were, if you were watching us out there because we're just trading poles. Um, but coming up with a, with a plan of, of how, how we were going to, each of us were coming up with our own plan, how we were going to finish it off and try and, try and win at the end. Um, and I think one of the one of the one of the main points of the race is we probably had a 15 mile section where there must have been a 20 25 mile an hour headwind. Oh, and it was it was really just even though the intensity level wasn't really high, um, it was it was a slow kind of a slow death, if you will, into this into this headwind and. That, that really um, tapped a lot of energy. Um, 
And fortunately for me, I think it took a little more out of Brian. And so coming into the, the final 10 miles, um, Brian was having, he was pretty empty and he was having a hard time. So I had maybe thought that, you know, after 150 miles, he was going to finish in a sprint, kind of crazy. And fortunately, it, it didn't come down that, to that, and I was able to get away in the last couple miles and finish solo. So you win the unofficial world championship. I hate calling it unofficial because, I mean, it's quite the feat. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, you know, I think that if it, if it was official, then it would mean that it was sanctioned by one of the governing bodies. And that kind of takes, in a way, that kind of diminishes what, what some of these events are about. And I think what makes the event enticing and fun is that everyone is so uniquely different. Um, there's, there's no cookie-cutter approach to any of the events. Um, and that, that's what keeps them fun and, and funky. Um, so I'm fine with it being unofficial. Well, as I am not a journalist, I'm going to call you the world champion. And <laughs> <laughs> that. that is got to be the coolest championship jersey out there. <laughs> that, is, that is for sure. Pirate themed and, you know, you know, still got the rainbow flag, just to, or, you know, the rainbow colors, just uh a little different order than, than how the UCI um, flies them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Neil Shirley, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Road Bike Action's Neil Shirley, the world champion, gravel world champion uh, of 2015. Thanks for visiting us on Over the Top Cycling. In Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. <laughs>